Okay, we are continuing Kuf Lamedal, just a couple lines down. So the mission was talking about how you're allowed to do certain needs for the bris on uh, Shabbos. So one of them is applying um, some medicines. So it says you're allowed to put cumin. So you, in order to put the cumin, you have to crush it. So it says if you didn't crush it before Shabbos, you do a shinoi, like you chew it with your teeth, and then you put it on. The other thing we spoke about is mixing the, the wine and the oil. So you need to like mix it very strongly together. So usually you're not supposed to do such a thing on Shabbos because it appears that you might be doing it um, to like uh, to, in order to prepare for, for cooking. So you're not allowed to do that normally mixing the wine and oil like very strongly together into one based on Shabbos. Uh, so if you didn't do it before, then you just put each ingredient by itself into the bowl. That's what the Mishnah spoke about. So now the Barai says as follows. Things that you don't do for a meal on Shabbos. If we could be more lenient and do it on Yantif. For example, shogun will come out and you could crush cumin on it regularly, but you are allowed to mix in the wine and oil vigorously, like beat them together on the yantif. What's the pshat? Why is the law different that you are allowed to crush up the cumin differently on yantif? You don't need any shinoi or anything, you just do it regularly. The answer is the chazilukadir because it's also fit for cooking. So on yantif, since you're allowed to do malacha for cooking, so you're allowed to do regular crushing on yantif. So therefore, um, you, can, you don't have to do anything different about the cumin. You can just crush it regularly because of the fact that it's fit for cooking. So we could say, so why don't we say the same thing, that the wine and the oil are fit on Shabbos used for a sick person. We're not a person who's like or anything, you can be doka anything. We're talking about um, but the malacha, this malacha drabanan, of vigorously mixing the wine and the oil where normally it looks like um, like you're going to go to cook it. So the rabbis were lenient for such a thing that, that, that to do it for a sick person. So since there's a svara that you're allowed to do it that way regularly for a sick person, so why can't you, um, so, then, so, then, so then you should be allowed to, to even on Shabbos, to do, to regularly mix the wine and the oil for the bris meal. In other words, what we're asking is as follows. The same way on Yantif we say that you could mix up the, you could crush up the cumin regularly because there is a way to do it regularly on Yantif if you're doing it for cooking. So therefore, even though you're doing it for Mila, you're allowed to crush it up regularly. So so doing every Shabbos. Why are we insisting that when you're mixing the wine and the oil, you can't do it vigorously, beat them together because of the general Esed Rabbanon? We find the Letzar Chachola for, for, for a sick person. The rabbis, were, the rabbis were leaning to do it, so we should allow you to do it for the Bismillah like that. Where do we see this? The Tanya says in the price, ain't Shabbos. You're not allowed to regularly um, like mix this wine and the oil, mix them strongly together, even for a sick person on Shabbos. That's what the Tanakhama rules. But however, it said over the name of Meir, after that for a sick person, you are allowed to do it. He holds that the Yisrael against mixing the wine and the oil because it looks like you're preparing for cooking, doesn't apply to a sick person. Okay. So, so and then the Gemara, the, the bride continues with the story. The one time where Meir had a bad pain, um, something in his stomach. We wanted to mix strongly the wine and the oil and the wine to make him a medication. He didn't let us do it. Your words become bottled in your own lifetime, meaning earlier you said for a sick person you're allowed. Now that you're sick, you're not allowing us to do it for you. So Amr said to us, even though it's a machlokas and you would think that I would keep my own position. Throughout all my life, I never wanted to do what against what my other colleagues said not to do. So it sounds like a personal Khamer Amir that even though he held his mother, he didn't want to do it. So the Gemara says we can make an inference. Who needs Machmar Nafshi? Rameir himself wanted to be strict against mixing the oil with the wine. For everybody else, he would be Matur. So it sounds like Rameir's really his Ishita is that it's Matur for himself, he was Machmer. 
So why does it seem our mission we're assuming is like Rameir? And the reason the Gemara is assuming that is because Stam Tana is usually Rameir. So why is our mission saying that when you're mixing the wine and the oils and medication for the Brismilan Shabbos, you can't do it regularly. You just have to pour one ingredient at a time, but you can't re- go and vigorously mix them. Why? If we find that Rameir is able to do such a thing for a regular Cholan Shabbos, so it should be mutter to do it, let's The same way we find that even though typically we don't want to grind up the cumin regularly on for the Mila, but on Yant, if we do it, since it has a different way it could be done, for, um, for cooking. So the Gemara answers, Hasam lobay licha. Then the brides that we're talking about when you were talking for, for the sick people, we didn't need such a big like beating them together. It was just kind of mixing them small. It wasn't, it wasn't such like a real thorough blending that they had to be mixed together. So then Stam, that's, that's more lenient and therefore Rameir allows it. But in our Mishnah, we're talking about for the Brismila, where it needs a real strong beating together and blending it together. And, and that's where it's more machmer. And even for a chola, it's forbidden. So the Gemara says, Hachanami levelolich, but in the case of Mila, so let, fine, you're saying it's only also because you're doing it in such a strong way, so do it in not as a strong way. Just just mix it without blending it so strongly together. So the Gemara says, You're right, that's what the mission was trying to say. That's what the mission says. No, it's now, so it's You put the, each one of the ingredients by itself. Meaning the only answer is to really strongly mix them together, but as long as you're just mixing them together without strongly um, blending them, that's okay. So, so in Achanami, it comes out that we possibly like Rabbi Meir that for a sick person you're allowed to you're allowed to blend the wine and the oil together as long as you're not doing it like strongly and blending them thoroughly, and uh, therefore for a mila definitely you can do that. The mission which was answering was only answering for the mila to do it very strongly, very strongly to mix them together. Okay, so once we mentioned we just talked about a yantif halacha. Now the Gemara really gets a little bit of a tangent. We were just talking about how a yantif you're allowed to mix uh, to grind up the cumin. And um, and therefore, for Brismila also, you're allowed to grind the cumin on Yantif. And then we were talking about a buy and Rabbi Yosef. So the real, this is a real tangent. You're not allowed to strain some mustard seeds in a strainer on Yantif. And what you're doing is you're, you're getting the seeds out from the husk. So it seems like it appears, and what we're going to notice, it appears like an act of boris. You're not, allowed, you're not supposed to strain those mustard seeds on Yantif. You're not allowed to sweeten the mustard with coals, what would happen? They wanted to sweeten mustard. It would taste like a little bit too strong. So they wanted to sweeten it. So they would put a burning coal inside of the mustard seeds. And then when it went out, right, when it was extinguished, it would like sweeten the coals. So you're not allowed to do that, presumably because you're not allowed to do a malach on yantif of extinguishing a coal. So now the Gemara analyzes. Why is it different from what we learned in the beginning of Mishnah? You're allowed to put a raw egg into a mustard trainer and strain it. What's the reason? It's much even on Shabbos you're allowed to do it. What's the reason it's not for So here, it doesn't even act like, like straining at all. When you're just, normally you're, you're separating good from bad. So here you're just putting a raw egg into the mustard trainer and it's going to make the color of the mustard a little bit better. That's why you put the egg there. You're allowed to do it on Shabbos. So why are we saying that on Yantif, putting, put, straining the mustard in its trainer is, is also, right? In other words, the basic idea that Gemara is saying is that on Yantif, right, you could even prepare and, and make food so if even on Shabbos you're allowed to put a raw egg into the mustard trainer, certainly on Yantif you should be allowed to separate the mustard seeds from Sasa. In the case of egg, it doesn't look like you're doing an act of sorting. It doesn't look like a malacha. Because it, 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 Baklal, doesn't, it, Baklal doesn't look that way. And we have to see more. The Gemara is actually going to talk about this later on in the Masechta, about why it is that it's not Masechah But at our point right now, we can just say that when I move the egg through the strainer, it's not Badafka, like an act of straining. And therefore, it's not it's not a problem. But in the case of the mustard seed, it, it appears like you're like like it's like it's an act of bore. Now, really, maker, I think it's not because both parts are very edible. But um, 
since Lamaisa, you desire the seeds, it seems like it's an act uh, closer to an act of sorting, and therefore that's forbidden. So the Gemara is saying it's not a good comparison to put an egg through the strainer to help the, help the color. That doesn't uh, act, seem like an act of, of, of sorting, of separating on, 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 on Shabbos Yantiv. But to separate the mustard seeds and put them in a strainer on Yantiv is, in fact, um, is in fact forbidden. It's, it seems like Mechzik And it seems also over here that that doesn't seem necessarily like it's Matzot Tzach Nefesh. It's not like a blanket hat or you can do any kind of uh, bar on, on Yantiv. It's a little bit complicated. You've got to learn a lot of beta for that. But that's definitely what it seems like here. From our Gemara, that we don't give a blanket hazard to just do any sort of straining that you want to prepare your food on Yantif, and therefore move, uh, straining the mustard seeds from the Has on Yantif is in fact not allowed. Continues the Gemara, you're not allowed to sweeten the mustard seeds with the burning coal on Yantif. So the Gemara says, you're allowed to sweeten the mustard seeds with the burning coal. So the Gemara says, and when we, we make all make it with a metal one. We're makamer with a wooden one. Why? What's the difference? Because what's the malacha? What's the malacha of 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 kibo, of extinguishing? The 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 machloka is, the, the, the malacha really is done is that you're making charcoal, right? And that's really the ikra of the malacha. When you put it out, you make a charcoal. So wood can be made into charcoal, and therefore that's like a real malacha to arise. So therefore you're not allowed to do that for sweetening mustard. Metal cannot become charcoal, so it's not really such a problem as big of a problem to extinguish metal. Definitely not the real Iker Malacha of extinguishing. So therefore you're allowed to do it um, to sweeten to sweeten the mustard. So the Gemara is saying is that the Isser is when it's a real act of extinguishing, real Malacha do right, so like a wood one, that's when it's forbidden to extinguish it onto the mustard. So the Gemara said, the Tona, where it sounds like we're assuming that extinguishing Anyante for, for food purposes is awesome. So the Gemara challenges, why am I like Why is it different than any time you roast meat on a coal? What happens is, is obviously the, there's going to be juices that are going to come out of the of, of the meat and are going to extinguish the coals and even wooden coals, and uh, we still see it's mutter. You're a lot of grill on yantif. What's the reason it must be mutter? Because the kiva is a svarachal nefesh. Everything that's going on here is so that you can cook better. So therefore, we see that kiva is a type of malacha extinguishing is a type of malacha that's mutter on yantif for food preparation. So so to here, it should be mutter to put the burning. And the burning coal onto the mustard, even though it extinguishes, even though it's a wooden one, because it's the tzarach ochol nefesh. So the Gemara says here a tremendous yisod on what types of malachas are mutter and yantif and what is not. On the Yosef lo In that case, it was impossible to roast the meat on erev yantif. Why is it impossible? Because obviously everybody knows freshly t- roasted meat tastes so much better. So we don't if, if, if it's something which is going to taste better fresh. So we say that any malacha. Involved in producing it fresh is mutter on the yantif, and that's why you're allowed to you're allowed to grill meat on yantif, even though it extinguishes. But halcha efsher, in terms of sweetening mustard, it's not going to taste any worse if I sweeten it on uh, on erev yantif. So there's no real need for it to be done specifically on yantif itself. And even though, therefore, the gemara is saying it's not mutter to do the malach on yantif. But a tremendous, tremendous chiddush. It seems to be in the gemara that yantif it's only mutter to do malach for on yantif if it's going to taste better because it's fresher. But if it will taste just the same whether it's fresh or not. Then it is not mutter to do it on yantif, so, and that's why we're forbidding to um, to put the to put the coal, the wooden coal, onto the mustard seeds on yantif. Continues the gemara because you're is a person allowed to make cheese on yantif. So making <coughs> making cheese generally is certainly to our it's a rise of building. We learned this back on um, So you're allowed to do that on yantif. It's mutter the tzarich ochol nefesh. So Amalei, he said, also it's forbidden. Amalei, why is it forbidden than kneading dough? You're allowed to make baked bread on Yantif. So, so it seems pretty similar. What's the difference? If you're allowed to do things, in the case of the dough, it's also it's low after. You want to have fresh, baked, hot bread for Yantif. So since 
fresh bread is going to taste better than yesterday's bread, so, so you're allowed to prepare it for yantif. Here in the case of making cheese on yantif, it's after to do it before. It's not going to taste any worse if you use a day-old cheese. So therefore, there's no hazard to prepare the cheese on yantiv. You rather should prepare it before. Says the Gemara. They say in our da that freshly cheese, fresh made cheese is really good. So it sounds like fresh made cheese is the better quality one, better than our yantiv. So therefore, if, if we're saying you're allowed to do malach on yantiv for, for, for as long as it's, it will taste better because it's fresh. So what are you saying that cheese doesn't taste better if it's fresh? Here in Ardah, they say better. They say fresh cheese is awesome. So the Gemara says, "Halka Gami." This is what the people in Ardah are saying. I feel like the cheese is so good that even when it's fresh and it's not such a high quality, it's fresh cheese. It's still good. But obviously, day old cheese is better than fresh cheese. So therefore, you don't have a hazard to make cheese on Yontif because it can be made in just as good a way, if not better, if you would make it on Erev Yontif. Okay, continues the Gemara. We learned in the mission, you know, you're not supposed to make uh, the bandage for it specifically on. On, uh, on Chavez, but you should just wrap a cloth around it, around where the bris milah was. So Amar Bayamli, mother said to me, I chalati nuka, lafani lisra lila. That when you have the, the, the bandage, the hem should be turned up. What's the idea? You want to make sure that there's no threads that are going to be loose that are that 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 that, that should be uh, right there by the makom where the wound is. Why is that? Dilma medbakar minay. You don't want to. A thread that will stick to the wound, will cling to the wound. But also, the will come to mutilate the kid. When you pull away the bandage, will come to damage the kid when you pull it away. She would do something else. She would have a lining for half of the bandage. Part of the bandage, which would be right there covering the wound, she would make sure to have a lining separating so that none of the threads would get stuck. What happens if, an, if a baby doesn't have a bandage? They should bring a rag with a little hem left where they're supposed to saw, and they should tie the hem at the bottom of it. And then double the top part towards the top, and um, and by doing this, we'll make sure that the, any threads that were sticking out were not going to stick, were not cling to the wound. Okay, continues the Gemara. of Amar Bali Amrli Ema Bai says, the mother said, So the problem is here, this child is that you don't see the hole in the anus. So what do you do? Obviously, you have to rip open some of the skin. You rub some oil there, it's happened by the sun. It's like where it looks like it's very, it's like almost like a transparency in the skin. You should tear it with the top of a grain of barley, which has a sharpness to it. You shouldn't use any clean because that can actually really uh, harm the skin and cause it. And cause it to get red. Says the Gemara, my Bible, mother says to me, I knew the Lomas, what do you do with a baby that's not that's not eating, it's not sucking? Make her the carpume, it's because the mouth is very cold. My Takante, how do you make his warm up his mouth? Lice you cause a grooming, you bring a couple of burning coals, length you have a hadi pume, stand it by the mouth of the baby, the home pume, so the mouth will get warm, oh my, and then he will suck. Says the Gemara, my mother said to me, I knew the Lomas, what happens if the baby's not breathing? You should, you should like fan him out, and now she will be able to breathe. Amar Bayam Li'ei, mother said to me, If a baby's not breathing well, I see Salifsa Di'ime, they should bring the mother, like in, like the, 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 the placenta, the afterbirth that came out of the mother, and slide it right by the baby, Ma'avi will help him breathe. More advice, the Gemara says, Amar Bayam Li'ei, mother said to me, Baby's very, needs more, needs more um, nutrition. They should bring the mother, the afterbirth, the mother, slide it over his flesh. Uh, from the narrow side to the wide side, and if it's the opposite, if the baby's too big, they should slide it from the wide side to the narrow side. 
Another advice from Abayah Amali, a mother said to me, Hainuka the Sumak, if a baby is too red, it's because he's too red, because the blood hasn't yet gone in into the skin. So it's kind of like located like between the skin and the flesh. So there's too much blood, it hasn't gone into well. So it's very dangerous to give him a bismillah because all the, he might bleed it out. He might bleed out. You have to wait until the blood is further absorbed into his flesh and then give him a bismillah. And if the baby's yellow, so the idea is that there's not enough blood there. He's considered weak. He might not survive. You should wait until he's fully blood, and then he should get the bris mila. Where do we see this idea of yellow and red? You have to wait for the mila. It says in Bryce, There's one time I went to a faraway place. A woman came to me. She had given a bris mila to her first son, and he had died. She had given a to her second son, and he had died. She had given a third son, she brings him from front of me. I see that the baby is red. I said, I said to her, wait until the blood is observed further, observed further into the skin. She waits for him until the blood is absorbed into the flesh. So she gave him bris and he lived. You know what they called the, the baby? Nasan Abavli. They called him Namish after, after the person who gave this advice. So there was another story. He goes to the country of Kapotkia. A woman comes in front of him. She had given him a first son, he died. She ain't even amazed. The second son, he died. Now they're bringing the third son. What are we going to do? How do we give him a bridge? I saw that the baby was yellow. I looked at him. I didn't see any redness. I didn't, I didn't see good red, red, red color there. I said, let's wait until he gets more blood and then do a bismillah. She waited for me while she gave me bismillah. The same thing. They called his name Nasan Ababli after the advice. Okay, so introduction here to the next sugya is that in order to do bismillah, it's very, they considered it very important back in the days. We don't have, believe in this anymore, but that they would give a bath before the bris with hot water and the bris afterwards. That was considered very, very much like Sakhanus Nafashas if you would not do such a thing. And therefore the Mishnah says that you're allowed to get up water, you're allowed to bathe, even though generally you don't do these things on Shabbos. You bathe the baby, the baby in hot water. The, the bath that he gets before the bris and after the But you don't bathe in a normal way. You just sprinkle some hot water, but not with it. You don't use a cleat. So it's like a shinoi. It's like an odd way of using a kli, so it's like considered in a strange way. And the Gemara will say that it almost seems like a contradiction in the mission itself if you're allowed to give a regular bath. You can give the baby a, a bath on the third day that falls out on Shabbos, third day since his bris. You can give, Shabbos' his bris is, is Thursday, so the third day of Shabbos, so you could give the baby a bath even this is the third day. Where do we see this? So this is why the city of Shechem, that the Shimon and Levi attacked the city was the third day of the Bismillah. So we see from here that the third day of Bismillah, the baby is very weak, and therefore you can give the bath even the third day. Suffolk by Jonas, let's say you have a baby that's unclear if it's a male, it's, it, it, we'll see how, what exactly the case is. But Suffolk, it seems like the, we'll have to see a little bit more in the Gemara, but it's unclear whether or not it's a, it's a male or a female, or androgynous, he has signs of being both in Muhammad Shabbos. Since it's unclear if he has actually a chif of brismila, so the mila you can you could do it, but not on Shabbos. Because misafik, you're not allowed to be Muhammad Shabbos. For if Yudah matim androgynous, if Yudah allows it for an androgynous, if Yudah considers an androgynous, that he's an absolute chif of brismila, and therefore it's not a question, it's definitely possible for it to be done on Shabbos as well. So now we get a contradiction in the analysis of the Mishnah. First, we say you could bathe the the, the First, you say you could bathe the, the baby in hot water, which sounds like bathing normally. And then you follow up and you say, "Oh, actually, you're only allowed to sprinkle hot water." So which one is it? So the Gemara says, It's actually the Mishnah has one long explanation. It's saying you bathe the kid 
before circumcision and afterwards, but Kate said, how do you bathe it? The Tana then explains itself that you don't do it regularly. You can sprinkle out water, but you do not use a clean. Rabba doesn't buy this. The language of the mission is you could bathe, which is mashma, a normal, regular way of bathing. Sprinkling, we would have said differently. So, you give a regular bath, whether it's before the bris meal or after, on the first day of the bris in the normal way. First and second day, you can do totally regular. But if it's the third day since the bris, then then you will even sprinkle out water but not give a regular bath. And on that, disagrees and he says, no, even the third day, you give a regular bath even for the third day. He's brought the source that even the third day they were in a lot of pain. So according to Rava, even the Tanakhama agreed that the first and second day you can give a regular bath. The whole question of Lazarus Rezai and the Rabbanon is on the third day, if you can only do it with the Shina of sprinkling, you can give a regular bath. Says the Gemara Tanya Kavasa to Rava Brisa, says like Rava, you can give a bath to a baby before and after the Bismillah. You can give the first day regularly. On the third day, then you can only sprinkle hot water. No, even the third day you give a regular bris, even though there's no proof. There's at least an illusion from the story with Shechem. You don't use a cup of or a plate, you only are allowed to use the hands. Okay, so it sounds like, and that last point, Asa the Tanakama, that you're not doing it regularly, is going like the Tanakama, meaning Rabbi Lazar Nazari was saying you do it regularly. So Lazar Nazari says you won't, I'm sorry, Rabbi Lazar Nazari says you do it regularly. Tanakama says you have to do a Shinoi. So the last part of the Bryce, which was saying the Shinoi is you can never use any cups, but only hands, is referring back to the opinion of the Tanakama. Now the Gemara just clarifies my Afabishan Rabbi What do we mean that even though there's no proof, but there's an, at least an illusion? Like, what, what's going on? Isn't it, why isn't it an absolute proof from Shechem, right? They attacked them on the third day because they were in danger. So don't we see that the third day there's danger? Says the Gemara, no, there they were adults. There was an adult when they got the bris milah. So it doesn't heal as quick. It could maybe by baby, the third day, or when he's 11 days old, it heals much quicker since they're babies, and therefore there's no proof that the third day it's still in danger. Continues the Gemara, there was once a story, to ask Rava, if you could give a baby a bath normally on the first day of circumcision. So early Kishmai say, Rava said that he could, because according to Rava, remember, everybody agrees that in the first day you can give a baby a bath regularly. The whole Machlok is only the third day. The first opinion, I'll not debate, right? With that before, probably we were saying that the Tanakhama only allowed a bath even on the first day if you do it with a Shinoi, if you do it only sprinkling. But Rava, I'll not debate, Rava held that everybody says, everybody can see that on the day one, you're allowed to give the bath regularly. So Rava said, yeah, you could do it regularly. Ichlash Rava, but after he gave his shock, Rava got very weak. See, he was nervous that he had erred in judgment. So Amr, he said to himself, Why did I have to argue with these older people? Why did, why did I argue on them? He had, Rabbi had regret. But there was a bride that was like you. So why are you doubting yourself? So Amr, he said, Because maybe the bride goes like me, but the wording of the Mishnah sounds more like them. My, how do I know? The language of the mission was, You could be the infant the third day when it was on Shabbos. If the Tanakhama was saying you have to sprinkle even on the first day, and he never spoke about regular bathing at all, because the Tanakhama, even when he lets you do it, only lets you sprinkle. That's why Rabbi said you can even bathe, and even the third day. But he had to emphasize that, that you can do something else besides sprinkle, you can bathe. If you're saying that when the Tanakhama allowed you to do it on the first day, he allowed you to do it regularly. He also let you sprinkle. It was only the third day when he said sprinkling. So why is Rabbi Lazar emphasizing 
He should have said af. He because he's saying Rabbi the same way your mater regular bathing on day one, I extend that and I hold even even regular bathing can be done on day three. So from from the fact that it doesn't do that, it sounds like no Rabbi is saying in I hold you could reg, you could bathe regularly, which was something that was unheard of until this point, which means that the Tanakama was saying that even on day one you can't bathe regularly, you can only sprinkle with the hand, which is against what Rava says. Rava saying, even though the bride is so like me, but the mission is not to do it like me, it's the Rava had doubts about whether or not his shot was in fact correct. Now the Gemara rules. So you could do regular bathing on all the three days. Says They've wondered about this in Eretz Yisrael. says that you could bathe and not just sprinkle. Is it the whole body, or do we mean only bathing that part where the wound is? So probably means the whole body. If it only means that wound, is that any worse than putting hot water on any other regular wound? Forget about Rasmila. In general, there's you're always allowed to put hot water and oil on a wound on Shabbos. So it's interesting the idea is that is that is that Rav holds it there's never such an issue to put hot water or, or, or some oil directly on, on a wound on Shabbos. Shmuel holds not that way, we're gonna see. But um, but in general, you're allowed to put hot water. Chazal didn't ask for the Isra bathing to put wound on a, to put hot water on a wound on Shabbos. Even though generally the Asr Rechitza, but they didn't include that for the wound. So so why if all Rav Lazar Rezai was saying was just that you can wash the place where the Prismila was, that wouldn't have been a novelty with the Prismila. Stop. Of course you can do such a thing. You can do it for any wound. Must be Rav Lazar Rezai was saying a special permit for Prismila to wash the entire body. Says the Gemara Moscow of Yosef, you're mixing two issues. You're mixing whether the water had been heated up before Shabbos or after Shabbos. There, the hatter to put, with the hatter to, to bathe with hot water on a wound on Shabbos, doesn't mean you could heat up the hot water. You're not allowed to. The only thing you can do is if you already have hot water, in terms of just the Isra bathing, it's not an Isra bathing to apply it to where the wound is. But here, it's much more of an issue of the bathing. We're saying you can heat up the water because of the brismila. But maybe in a Hanami, when you go to bathe, you can only bathe the one specific. One specific place of the wound. So you're trying to figure out what would the chiddush have been here if you can only bathe the place of the wound. I'll tell you the chiddush is the chiddush is you can warm up the water for that. Normally, when you just have a wound, even if you can you can you can wash it without water, you can't heat up the water. So the Gemara says back, How do you know that you're allowed by bris milah to heat up water on Shabbos? Maybe you're right. And the whole thing by bris milah about washing a third day, no one allows you to heat up the water. In other words, our assumption is our Allah Nazari allows you to heat up the water, and that's why we're saying that maybe the Chiddush is the goof of that, even though you're only allowed to bathe the place of the wound. How do we know we're right? Maybe... Here by the Bismillah, we don't allow you to even heat it, to heat up the water. You can only use water that was heated up before Shabbos. So I'm Rabbi, I know, but you know the Shanalei. I wanted to answer like Rav Yosef did. We called the Shabbos. Rav Yosef right away said the answer because the Mishnah said Sakonulo. It's a danger. So if it's a danger, of course you can heat it up on Shabbos. Right? That's If it's dangerous, if you don't do it, then there's no question that if there's no hot water available, you'd you would you would heat up water. So now we're back to proving that of course over here it's Sakonus Tafashas. If you wouldn't do it, and that's why you're allowed to heat up the water. And if so. Maybe only Rabbi Lazar Nazareth being matter to bathe the place where the brismila was. Ah, what's the chiddush? If whenever there's a wound, you're allowed to bathe the place of the wound on Shabbos. The Torah says the chiddush is that you can even heat it up on Shabbos. It's Bernami who said like this. Because Rabbi Nazareth, Rabbi Lazar, Ba'ami Lama, Rabbi Rabbi Yochan, Alachon Nazareth, we pass him like Rabbi Lazar Nazareth. Bein shukman with Shabbos. That means not only can you use water to heat up on Shabbos, Bein shukman with Shabbos. You could or water to heat up on 
on Friday, but here we get an extra point. And you can even bathe the entire body or the place of the wound because it is a sakana. So that's the bottom line of the Gemara. You could give the baby a bath day one, day two, day three. You could heat up the water, the whole body, anything that is the halacha. And again, this is all in the times of the Gemara when the doctors believed that the bath, the hot bath was so was so fundamental to the baby's life at this point. Today, we no longer medically agree with that. Says the Gemara, We said that Rav holds, again, not with what you can heat up the water, but with water that was heated from Rav Shabbos, you can apply it to a wound on Shabbos. There's no Isserachitz on that. You're not allowed to do it regularly. You could put the hot water outside of the wound, and then it can flow down to the wound by itself, but you shouldn't directly uh, bathe that area on, bathe the wound on Shabbos. Meisve, Rabbi Yisakash and Rab, the Brizer says, "Einos and Shemen of Achamen, Al Kavim Mokutin Al Kavim Shabbos." You're not allowed to put oil and hot water onto a cloth in order to put the wound on Shabbos. So we see you're not allowed to do it directly. And the idea, probably, what the Gemara is assuming, what the Isser is, is that well, the reason Shmuel is correct is because it's like Isser Rafua. Bathe, like, 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 it's like bathing the wound. It's like Isser Rafua. And since the rabbis don't like Rafua on Shabbos because you might come to grind up the herbs, so you're not allowed to directly put it onto a cloth to, to apply to the wound. So the Gemara says, no, Azimushim Schita, that's just different. There, it's because of Schita that it might come to squeezing. You might squeeze out the cloth. It has nothing to do with grinding. It's not an Isser Rafua. So it's not a proof to Shmuel. That it's an iser of it's an iser of refua, it's an iser of refua to put the um, to put some hot water onto a wound on Shabbos. There is no proof to that, and in fact, it might be mutter if you're applying the hot water directly to the wound. The bride's had a problem with the cloth because you might come to squeeze out the cloth, which is forbidden on the Shabbos. Tashma, you're not allowed to put that water and oil on a cloth and that's going on top of a wound. So the Gemara says the same thing. It's not like Shmuel because it's an Isra of Rechitza. It could be we're concerned that you might squeeze out of the cloth, which everyone would agree is also, but if you're just pouring water directly onto a wound, maybe in fact it would be a like Rab that it would be okay. Says the Gemara Tani Kabbas is Shmuel, but there's a price that says like Shmuel, you can't put hot water oil on a wound at Shabbos. You can put it outside the wound, then it will flow by itself onto the wound. Says the Gemara, you could put on top of a wound a dry cloth or sponge. Then the Bryce says right after itself, it almost seems like it's contradictory. But you can't put a dry reed or a dry cloth. So Gemara says, what's the difference? Are cloths okay or not? So the Gemara explains. If it's a new rag, a new rag, says the Gemara, that's never been used by it before, is actually going to heal. It's going to heal, and therefore it's forbidden. It's awesome to on it. It's for full-on shots. How about Tiki? The other thing is an old rag, which will not heal, and therefore there's no answer to put it on the wound. Amar Bayi, we derive from Masu that using a new cloth rag on what is actually going to heal, and now we understand why we're saying that you can't apply a new cloth rag on Shabbos to a wound because of the general Isser of doing healing of Rafua on Shabbos.